Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Hey, this is U.S. Men's National Team defender Chris Richards wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays from the Rank Squad. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Ranks FC, your favorite football podcast. We hope that you had an incredible festive period, a wonderful holiday season, even in the madness that surrounds us. Now, I was going to start this episode off with a poem, seeing it's the last one of 2020, but I've decided to hold that for next week because next week is the start of a new year. And while things might not change eventually, it does feel like there is somewhat of a turning of the tide on the way. So before we went and started this podcast, which is going to be a surprise transfers for January ranking, and I'm excited because it's a Dean Jones special. We don't get a Dean Jones ranking all too often these days. I just want to say, well done, basically, for getting through 2020. This year has been... (laughs) bizarre right it's been very very strange in almost every capacity and here we are at the end of it looking back at a year that has tested us perhaps beyond the the limits of what we thought we could be tested and in the football sphere that meant we had a long long period with no football where we you know us three had to talk about lots of different things and you had to get through weeks months even you know absolutely long periods without work without friends without family without seeing the people you loved and it's been you know hard for everybody and i just wanted to say congratulations in terms of it's just an achievement to have got through to this point and we know that over the summer and we know over christmas we've got a lot of messages from people saying that this helped when the people were on their own, that when they were doing runs, when they were making their way through, you know, unprecedented obstacles. I hate that word. 2020 has been the year of unprecedented use of the word unprecedented. But, um, <laughs> but what it has shown is that, you know, we, we can adapt and we can survive. And, and Rank Squad, I'm, I'm, I'm real proud of you, basically. Um, so congratulations. And, and two men I'm exceptionally proud of are here with me, Mr. Dean Jones. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. And Mr. Sam Tsai. Hello, buddy. Hello, bud. You excited? 2021? Hope so. I don't want to get my hopes up, to be honest. <laughs> it's got to be better than this year, but I think it might take a little bit longer than I originally anticipated. It'll, it'll start worse than 2020 did. Definitely. 2020 started grand. Yeah, the first couple <laughs> of months of, of 2020 was really nice. So we're going to make sure that January and February are rubbish, I'm sure. And then maybe, maybe from like March onwards, we can start to like look forward again and start to hope for better things i don't know let's let's hope so though we're gonna um try and be more upbeat today and give everybody some some hope and look transfer windows around the corner so i'm gonna get stuck into that aren't i that's very exciting i mean let's let's throw some positivity around the room shall we sam what's something you've loved yeah i mean just to start with i just want everyone to know that i i have a usually have a great night's sleep the night before a podcast (laughs) in which dean has done the ranking uh it's just less work for me but i also just really look forward to it so uh Thank you, Dean. Stepping, <laughs> stepping, stepping in for January, and I had a lovely night's sleep last night. Um, this week, I'm going to throw some positivity towards Chelsea 
because with one win in six and the pressure piling up on Frank Lampard and some of the injuries too and the poor form of some well, big signings like Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, I feel like maybe Chelsea fans just need to be thrown a bone. And I'm going to throw them one in the form of Ben Chilwell, who is just brilliant. He's just great, isn't he? He's such a good player. And it sounds really obvious, but again, just watching him against Villa yesterday, just causing Matty Cash, who has been pretty, pretty much perfect all season, let's be honest, caused Cash so many problems. And Chilwell got an assist for Giroud's goal, flashed a shot past the post in the last second of the game to maybe win it. And just generally was a super, was probably alongside John, John McGinn, the man of the match. And, Chilwell is your perfect modern fullback. He's like, the, physically, he's the exact right shape and size. Like, he's just under six foot. He's just the right amount of power and speed combined and acceleration. His timing and his work in tight spaces is great. His crossing is great. There's nothing you can really do to stop him from bending the edge of your defense and getting those crosses in and making those runs. The timing is everything. And Chilwell is a superb player. And Look, Chelsea didn't win yesterday. It's now one in six, one win in six. It's been a while since they've tasted victory, but they can take the positives here. They, a, a big, a massively rotated squad that actually did pretty well against a very strong Villa side. But Chilwell's still the best among them. And Chilwell can't be dropped. Like the, the drop-off between him and Emerson is so big now. And this is huge because he cost 50 million quid. Like this is a big statement signing for Chelsea in the summer. And it, it takes a lot to get to the point to spend 50 million on a left back. You have to be really, really certain that he's going to be amazing. And I think Chelsea nailed it. Yeah, he has been absolutely incredible. And and like you say, you know, I think it's uh, the changes that Chelsea now boast one of the best fullback pairings in the league, right? And and it's something that they just simply didn't have before. And all credit to Cesar Azpilicueta because he's been a staunch servant to the club, but he's been usurped on the right by Reese James. Uh, and Chilwell, as you say, is such an upgrade uh, on what was there before that in the modern game, your fullbacks are so important. And Chelsea now have two of, of the finest and also young fullbacks mm. with a lot of ceiling to grow. And that means that they've, they've potentially got this going for a, for a fair while to come now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, you could see as well, and no disrespect to Azpilicueta, but you could see the drop-off yesterday between him and uh, him and Rhys James. Just that raw athleticism that Chilwell has and Rhys James have, um, but Azpilicueta just doesn't at this stage of his career. And yeah, the the thrust and the physicality and the stamina. I mean, we're at the point now with, with Chelsea not functioning particularly well in, in quite a few different areas. Their, their fullback combo of Chilwell and James is probably the most important part of their team. And it's the part of the team they can't really afford to make a sacrifice in, which is probably why Chilwell started all of the games. They can't afford not to play him. Yeah, he's just he's just done. It was Dean, we questioned that transfer in the summer a little bit. Not not in terms of we didn't think that Chilwell was going to be an incredible signing for them, just in the fact that 50 million is a lot of money. Uh, and at times it looked like Leicester were going to hold out for sort of the 80 million mark. And mm. and remember what we're saying, look, Chilwell's a brilliant player, but I don't know if he's an 80 million pound brilliant player. Um, but he is very much proving us not wrong, but uh, but very much living up to his price tag, which not everyone does. No, totally. I think in hindsight, Leicester probably could have held out for a little bit more. And that there was a reason they valued him so highly, because they knew that going into any other team, he was going to not only improve that team, but also be a threat to them and what they might try and achieve this season. So, yeah, look, Ben Chilwell is a seems like a really good guy as well. And he seems like a big personality in that Chelsea team. And that's something that's really important to Frank Lampard and the signings he made. I know he's getting a lot of criticism. Well, not him specifically, but 
Chelsea have been criticised for Havertz and, and Werner and perhaps, you know, signing players that aren't good fits. I still am not sure about that. I think that those deals will work out, but you've got to praise them where it's due. And, you know, I think that was a really, really good summer of business for Chelsea. And while everyone's being very down on them um, at the moment and their form, they're within touching distance of, you know, the top two. So they're not in a bad place right now going into the new year. DJ, what was your what's your thing you love? Uh, where's your where's your razor positivity coming from? Do you know what I was I was thinking, and obviously end of a year, I was like, what have I loved about this year? And to be honest, what's absolutely saved my year was football, just generally. Um, we're quite lucky to have this like passion for something outside of work and the home, and something that we're able to make a living from, but also can just provide an escapism from the absolute madness that's been going on around us and I thought like without football how bad would this year have been now I'm not saying that the the football world that we live in right now is perfect because I think you know no fans players missing with COVID you know even VAR and everything that's come from that and not completely understanding the game like it's not a lot of meaning in the actual games themselves but just having the entertainment having the talking points and having podcasts, I guess, to listen to and to talk about these things with has just been so important. It has for me. And like, it's like, I think this year would have been really, really tough for me personally if I hadn't have been able to come here and just talk about football a few times a week. Um, and hopefully like, we've helped other people have an outlet and listen to us talk about football and that that's helped them. And I'm sure it has, you know, just, you know, even back to when Bundesliga restarted what that moment felt like. Do you remember like the build-up we had to like picking your Bundesliga team, seeing like clubs put like cardboard fans in the stands and deciding like you were going to watch that Leipzig game or whatever it was. And then all the other leagues started coming back and our lives feel pretty empty without football. And I, I think that, you know, it was very easy to take football for granted and it being part of your lives and just being able to go to a game whenever you fancy, wherever you fancy. And as soon as that was taken away, it was like, oh, I do really, really like football, don't I? I, I can't actually live without that. Um, so I think that's what I've loved, really. I, I've, I've just loved that we've had football to get us through pretty much the toughest times we've lived through. So Dean Jones there, father of two, admits his life is empty without football. Always yeah. an interesting one to To be fair, I think it would be it would be worse if you know, <laughs> it was one of those things because because of being a father of two, it's an escapism, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the element. Yeah, of it. like you, they go to bed and you're like, oh, now I can watch football. <laughs> you know? Did I miss a memo here, by the way? Dean's just done like a 2020 eulogy of what's got him through the year. I just want to make it clear that my favourite thing from the whole year was not Ben Chilwell. It's just something <laughs> that I've up. quite liked recently. <laughs> uh, my favourite thing of the year was was Fulham beating Brentford in the playoff final. So, oh, um, that nice. so that was easy. <laughs> Lovely but, uh, bit of football. That was a that was a good bit of the football. Um, that was my... bad, fo- bad football, lads. By the way, can you imagine being a Brentford fan, right? Imagine like for 30 years you began to watch Brentford, nothing good has happened, right? And then suddenly, since we've been in lockdown, they have 
got to Wembley, Wembley. final against their biggest rivals. Okay, they lost, but they still had this big day at Wembley. They played their last ever match at Griffin Park, the stadium they've been going to for their whole lives, and they missed that. Then they missed the first match in their new stadium that they've been waiting for all their lives. And now they've got had a cup run to the Carabao Cup semi-final and on the verge of winning a major trophy, and they're going to miss that as well. Can you imagine what that would feel like as a Brentford? I mean, it's bad enough being a Brentford fan, but to miss this year, what a disaster. You know, just stop. That smile. I've never seen you smile like this. Sorry, it's mate. the Brentford don't like each other. <laughs> there's there's some sort of rivalry I hear between the two clubs. I'm um, talking of rivalries. My favourite thing of recent times has been um, Fiorentina whacking Juventus three 0 at their uh, in their own backyard. Oh yeah, um, absolutely sensational. We haven't had a chance really to talk about it, but it was. I think it was the moment that sparked my Christmas into life, if I'm honest. It was the uh, you know the Tuesday night, it was the 22nd. We'd recorded the podcast for the Wednesday, so I wasn't able to talk about it last week. Uh, it was already wrapped, and I was like, right, Christmas has started, and and that was that. We were into the old red wine, and and that was that was Christmas. It was it was an incredibly bizarre game of football. Um, from start to finish, frankly. And if you haven't watched it, I would suggest that you, you go back and, and actually, I was going to say watch the highlights, but don't watch the whole 90. It was, <laughs> it was absolutely mental. Um, and from, from the first goal where Vlovic manages to run through the middle, take a terrible touch, draw Chesney with the terrible touch, flick it over him with the most delightful finish, then try and knee slide, fall over, hurt himself. <laughs> And then spend the next 20 minutes just aggressively chasing Fede Chiesa around like he was like he was going to break him in half, which I, you know, possess he was he was potentially going to do. Um, and then, then there's a red card for Cuidado and and then it's sort of all Juventus for ages, even with 10 men. And Fiorentina hit them twice on the break in five minutes, 76 minutes, 81 minutes. Uh, Martin Caceres scores against his old club. It's just chaos from start to finish and a much needed win from Fiorentina because I was quite concerned that they were actually going to be relegated um, um, and it's nice to beat the incumbent champions and you feel like you're going to be relegated or get anything off them really so um yeah that was my favorite thing of recent times and, and i hope that i hope that everybody can get a chance to go back and look at it with that dean i think it might be time to to get into the main ranking so after the break we're going to be talking the top five surprise transfers of the january window <laughs> Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our main ranking, a January ranking, a transfer ranking, a Dean Jones ranking. And the floor, my friend, is yours. Cheers, mate. Well, I thought, right, transfer season coming up. We've got to do a transfer show, obviously, to preview it. But I didn't want to make it like everybody else's is going to be. I don't want to talk about, like, is Declan Rice going to join Chelsea? Is Jadon Sancho any closer to joining Man United? If any of this stuff that we read about every single day going to happen. So I've, I thought I'd go look a little bit away from that. Um, we'll look, we'll recognise all the names in the clubs, obviously, but we're just going to go a little bit left field, look at surprise transfers. So it could be it's a surprise because we weren't expecting that player to suddenly go to that club or there's a player that's maybe not a good fit for a club that's looking for a certain position, but they are going for someone. Or it might just be a bolt out of the blue that nobody has seen coming, but could actually come off. So these are five transfers that could happen in January. Um, and even if they don't come off, it's pretty mad that they're actually being pursued right now. So let's get things started at number five. Ozan Kabak to AC Milan. Ooh. Now, the reason I've put this in as a surprise is because whenever we've spoken about the Schalke defender, it's been because we think he could be ending up at Liverpool. So it's a bit of a surprise that 
AC Milan are the club I'm talking about here. Now, it's still plausible that Liverpool come in here, but Milan have moved ahead of Liverpool and started trying to see if they can get a deal done here. Uh, Milan really want a new centre-back. They've been looking at a guy from uh, Malmo in Sweden. His name is really hard to pronounce. Anel Ahmed Hodzic. That's the one. Um, He's also been scouted heavily by Chelsea. Um, But anyway, these are the two guys that Milan are looking at. And they really like her back and are trying to now negotiate this before Liverpool decide to get involved. I don't know if Liverpool were even going to sign a centre-back at this stage. They've, they've got through pretty well without, but obviously now Matip's got another knock. Like, there is a chance that they do. And if they do, it's going to be somebody who's not Upamecano or Koulibaly and costs around 25 million or something. So, Kabak would make sense for Liverpool, but they might get beaten to him by AC Milan, who can do no wrong these days. We know that. Um, this could be a really good signing for him, Kabak, a 20-year-old Turkey international, much sought after, um, and a very uh, nice, shiny piece of what has been a terrible season for Schalke this season. It has been an awful season for Schalke. And Sam, we were talking about, you know, on Monday, four managers for them now. Osan Kabak probably just wants a bit of stability. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, four managers for Schalke. My God. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? They did win a game, though. It was in the cup against like a minnow. So I don't know if you want to count it, but they did win one, which was cool because they don't really win very often. Like at the moment, it's about once a year. Uh, Kabak, I, look, I don't watch that much Schalke because they're terrible and I still haven't seen that much of him. Um, so I have to go on the reports that he's good because, you know, if Milan are interested in him, then that means that he's probably quite decent. Um, if Liverpool fancy him, then yeah, that probably points to the same. And Milan have basically got away with using Romagnoli and Kier for quite a long time, I guess. We've seen a bit of Matteo Gabbia this season uh, stepping in. They've been hit by injuries here and there through central midfield, through central defence. They probably do feel like they need that extra body. So kind of fair enough. And I guess this is probably an example of when you get to January and you set your targets at the start of the season. You think what's reasonably attainable. And then you get to, you get to January and you're top of Serie A. And the slider starts to move, doesn't it? You start to look at things a bit differently. You start to dream a little bit bigger. And maybe you go to your owner and say, hey, if we get one more piece, we could get a Serie A title here probably two or three years in advance of where we reasonably mm. expected to be. This is the kind of deal that, yeah, it's surprising to hear this sort of thing. But at the same time, if you think about it, Fair play to Milan if they reassess their objectives and they're going to strike while the iron's hot and they're going to completely pad out this squad ahead of what looks like it's going to be a triple title charge in the Europa League, Serie A and the Coppa Italia. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one in some ways in, in that it wasn't quite what I was expecting out of the Milan camp and I guess that's why it's made this headline news. But but yeah, and, and, and it does make sense. I mean, the one that I kept hearing kind of repetitively was that Liverpool were looking to do a swap deal here for, for Divock Origi. Um, and, and that, you know, Schalke are, to be fair to them, well, they're lacking everywhere, but they are lacking Favre. Um, and, and it kind of made a, a whole lot of sense. But I mean, Kabak is a good player. And he, like you say, a kind of ray of light in a very, very dark Schalke season. And I think that this is a you know, a, a kind of strange, a, a kind of a nice move because Romagnoli, good as he has been over the last couple of years, I think is starting to show signs that he is stepping out of the line a bit weirdly. There are moments where you go, okay, what are you doing? Especially in the Europa League, I thought there were, you know, real moments where Romagnoli looked like he was a bit cat in the headlights and, and it wasn't kind of what I was expecting from him. 
And I think, you know, when you look at that centre-back pairing of, of Simon Kier and, uh, and Romagnoli, you expect the experience, you expect them to, to step up through those big moments, you expect them to keep cool heads. And, and actually, that wasn't something you were seeing, but it's something you see quite a lot with Kabak. He's, he's not often shaken by, by dummies or, or by people trying to sell him. He's, he's quite a st- staunch defender, and I think that actually it would be a, a very nice little pickup for Pioli and Milan this team. And for Kabak, it would be great like... to get out, wouldn't it? Just get out. Get out. Not only get out, you've got the two teams that want you atop of the Premier League and Serie A. <laughs> like you're going from literally one extreme to another. Can't really go wrong, can you? Well, yeah. Right. It's also kind of a bit rare, isn't it, to see a, a defender in this day and age who's rated so much, who is actually a defender first and foremost. He's not, a, you know, there's a lot of yeah. ball-playing centre-backs. There's a lot of, you know, brilliant players that we talk about, Look, like Uber Makano, who who step out of defence and, and make things happen. Kabak isn't one of those. He is very much a defender who yeah. likes defending, loves defending one-on-one, is rarely beaten, and it's just... You know, one of those things where it just adds a little bit of solidity to Milan, especially now that they are now that they're trying to hold on to something instead of chasing it. Mm. You know, it's quite a nice uh, thing to have in your arsenal. And and I guess that actually in looking at it from this perspective, yes, a surprise because it wasn't what I was expecting to hear, but it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, totally. Look out for Milan. There's more to come from them in a bit. So number four. Emi Buendia to Arsenal. Oi, oi. Here we go. Now, this is a big surprise because Sam suggested it. Um, <laughs> and it's actually being pursued. Now, this is a massive surprise. Um, now, I, I got, sorry, sorry, before you, before you get into this, because I, I need to just lap this up a little. Um, did you hear about this happening after I'd already posited it a couple of days ago? Uh, yeah. So you must have been like, oh, no way. Yeah, kind of annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> But let's see. It will be a big surprise, but it does make sense, right? Now, this is what I find so surprising about it, is that Arsenal do want a creative midfielder, right? That is their priority for the next transfer window. And heard him linked with Sobersly. Obviously, he's joined Leipzig. Uh, heard him linked for a long time now to Hussein Awer, and he's not going to be joining, it doesn't look like. And so you're thinking, OK, well, those are the lines. Where are they going to end up here? Um but incredibly, it's starting to seem they're going to sign someone who A, fits, and B, doesn't cost the earth. So that's good. Um, this actually gives me hope for Arsenal fans that Arteta knows what he's doing as well. So someone close to the club said to me before Christmas, when Arteta's under all the pressure, like, don't judge him right now. Like, he's not under, he's not under pressure. He's going to get 18 months to, like, build his team and, like, assert himself on this team. And after the 18 months then you can start to judge him a little easier. And fair enough, if this is the type of player that he's looking for, because he doesn't want an Ozil, he doesn't want a Shaka. He, he knows that that's not the future of Arsenal. Like, they're the problem with Arsenal. Um, he wants young, hungry, technically excellent footballers. He doesn't want another William, let's put it that way. I'm not sure how that one managed to sneak through. So this is a how. nice surprise. This is a nice surprise. The problem... Will they actually be able to get Buendia for the price they think they can? Now, £15 million is the price I'm seeing touted. Norwich are not going to be doing cartwheels over that figure, are they? I mean, if Arsenal think they're getting Buendia for £15 million, then they are still living in a dream world. Um, Norwich's stance on this, I've I've checked out, and it's obviously they don't want to sell this player. They're, They're trying to win promotion back to the Premier League. They want to keep their main players like him and Max Aaron's. 
Um, but they know that he's a top quality player. They know that he's going to have his head turned if an offer actually lands from Arsenal. So they're going to have to drive the price up as high as they can get it. Look, they'll see what Arsenal ended up paying 72 million for Pepe. They'll, they'll try and drive it up as high as they can. I'm, I'm sure Arsenal, after being burned on that one, won't be going to that sort of territory. But even if they ended up paying, I don't know, 25 million from Buendia, it's better than what I'd have seen them doing before now. So I think this is quite surprising that Arsenal could do some really sensible and nice transfer business. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to go too too deep into Buendia because obviously we did it last week. Um, but it is one of those transfers that just fits in pretty much every aspect. Sammy, you know, fills in in a variety of different roles. He adds that risk, adds that creative spark. And and for twenty five million pound, I'd hit the button. Yes, I would too. Um, Fifteen million would be would be the bargain of January. Let's be honest, and that's not going to happen. That's crazy because he was supposedly a twenty five million pound player in the summer, uh, and I was surprised that nobody activated that in the summer. And I'm surprised that Buendia ended up playing you know, four more months of championship football. He's been very good in the championship. He's been the same old Buendia. So why would he be any less money? Why would he be 10 million pound less? Look, I'd pay 25 to 30 million for Buendia. I'd absolutely do that in a heartbeat if I was Arsenal. They're in need of a player like him. He's readily available, has Premier League experience, lives in the country, can settle in immediately. I don't see a problem here. Um, well, maybe the problem is that he does not, he's, not, he's not a client of Kia Jirabchian, so uh, they don't have, actually have the right agent's phone number. But uh, yeah, I've, this is perfect, obviously. We talked about it last week and I haven't changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, um, let's move it on with Dean because much as it's, um, it's, it's surprising, I think, and the surprise here is Arsenal doing something sensible. Um, I don't want to go too deep on Wendy for two weeks in a row. So no. we'll row it on to three. Surprise number three, Brian Reynolds to Juventus. Oh, I've seen this. I've I mean, seen this. this you're going to have to explain who Brian Reynolds well, is this first because I had to look him up. Surprise. I mean, unless you're American, you probably don't even know who we're talking about right now. And to be honest, if you are American, you probably still don't know who we're talking about right now. Um, he plays for FC Dallas, uh, used to be a, a winger and like an attacking style player. He's been converted to a, to a fullback, a right back primarily. By all accounts, he's pretty well suited to the way you need to play that position in the modern day um, can play as a traditional fullback or can play as a wingback um, he's only 19 definitely not the finished product yet he's been generating real real interest and is a very exciting prospect now I'm not going to claim to have seen much of this guy but you know this is a transfer that is gathering pace and if Juventus sign a second American on the back of Weston McKenney then this is a wow moment for US soccer and another reason to get excited about the golden generation that's coming through, really. Shame, really, because they don't need another right back. Yeah, exactly. No, that's the problem. I was thinking that and I was, I was like, wow, US soccer's in good shape. It's like, oh, they've already got a really good right back. Maybe it's like they'll, they'll be England soon. Yeah. It's way too to, many right backs. Well, I thought in. you were talking about Juve for a second. I was like, yeah. now they do need a right back, but now England <laughs> don't. No. So Roma and Cagliari were first linked with him, but Juve yeah. are now going all out to try and get him. And as I understand it, they've Juve have been aware of him for a while and he's been on their radar, but they thought they had a little bit of time. They didn't think that this was need to, going to need to be something that they, they rushed, uh, but they are going to accelerate it now because they know that there's a possibility, particularly with Roma, that he, that he goes elsewhere. Um, look, Weston McKenney's done really well at Juventus, hasn't he? I've got to admit, I, I wasn't sure if this was just to sell shirts or if they really saw him becoming part of the team. But I've been really impressed by Weston McKenney and the way he's started to settle at Juve. And I think he's becoming quite an important player. Um, 
So let's see, like Brian Reynolds, like I say, somebody not many people have heard of. So it's going to be a surprise if suddenly you're reading about Juventus signing a player you haven't heard of. I think he probably would be loaned out initially anyway to let him get more experience. Um, but either way, a player like this, a young American on the radar of another elite European club. Um, what a time for, for US football. FC Dallas starting to churn them out, aren't they? Obviously, he's only come into the side this year after they let Reggie Cannon go. Um, and so mm. obviously he he popped off to, to Boa Vista where yep. he's made an he started every single league game this season nice, in Portugal nice. for Boa Vista. Now Boa Vista are rubbish. Like, I'll give you this <laughs> Boa Vista have been absolutely desperate. They've they've lost, I think, four, drawn six and won one of their eleven. Are they gonna rebrand to Sheffield United soon? Honestly, the, the best thing about Boa Vista is that the only game they won where they just whacked Benfica 3-0 from absolute, oh, wow. out of absolutely nowhere. But they got whacked by Braga midweek. Cannon got substituted, actually. I, I watched the game and it wasn't great. Um, they're not a particularly good side. But but he's been, a, again, like a little bit of a bright spark in, in, in that kind of dark time because he's come in and you know, asserted himself as, as a key part of the first team straight away. And I think, you know, that's positive. You know, Lille are, are, are in talks and there's obviously that link between Lille and Boa Vista as clubs. Mm. Um, I think Lille were actually the ones that were originally going to sign Cannon, but what they did, instead of the, the kind of loan him out to their feeder club, they decided yeah. to go through the other channels for certain reasons that we probably yeah. shouldn't go into on this podcast. Um, but it is one of those things that there seems to be a, a bit of a talent factory starting to step up out of the US. And and Reynolds has, has been excellent for, for what it's worth in terms of I had a had a little look last night when I saw this story pop up. I saw it from Roma actually. It was I was like, who are the Roma trying to sign? And so I spent last night looking at clips of Brian Reynolds. How did you? Yeah. He's um He's quite sharp and he's got a lovely little cross on him as well. That's the uh, he's got a, a very, very nice sort of deep swung cross that, that floats in. And, and I think that it would be really good again for just for US soccer in general to to get another man in, into a big club on, on the continent. And that yeah. helps. Do you know who else is uh, out of the Dallas Academy? Who? Our friend Chris Richards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good there, must, there must be there must be something happening down There's there. Something in the water. Is it is it just the gigantic catchment area or something? I, I think that I think that might help. Yeah, it'd be nice maybe. if we could go down there one day and find out, couldn't it? Maybe we'll do a pod live from there. We'll take yeah. Chris with us. Yeah, yeah. Take Chris home. Yeah, we'll... doing a lot for the podcast these days. The least he could do is come along with us on a trip. Yeah, I mean, well, Chris can come with us, and we can go and find the next generation of, of talent to come out of Texas. Um, Dean, I think that moves us on nicely to number two. Okay, number two, you're going to love this one. Luka Jovic to AC Milan. Uh -huh. Oh, come on. This is not just a surprise. This is something I am in love with. Jovic to Milan. Yes, please. Very early days with this one. But this is how the situation is looking. Milan started to check out the situation, basically, with the representatives of Jovic. Um, initial calls have been made and they're just getting background on, you know, if he's interested, what's his condition right now? What are his aspirations for the short term and long term? What kind of money is he earning? How would he feel about moving countries at this stage? All the personal things that you need to know um, if you're going to pursue somebody and whether, you know, the, how likely it is that the deal can even come through if you can agree it with the club. So uh, they're going to try and settle all those things. And if it looks like Jovic is keen, which I think he probably will be, then they will go and make the call to Madrid and see how they can come to an arrangement. Now, Look, they've got a good relationship with Real Madrid, right? There's the Teo Hernandez, there's Brahim Diaz. It, it, there's no reason really to, uh, to think that there's 
should be any hold up here. I think that both moves have worked out well. I think you'd probably be looking here at a loan for the rest of this season and then a view to a permanent deal. I think that suits everybody. Jovic needs this, right? I think the only reason I could see him not going for this is because he's been so desperate for the Madrid move to work out and he doesn't want to walk away from it as a flop. And I think there'll be part of him who thinks, well, what if Benzema gets injured or he misses a chunk of games and I do actually get a fair crack of the whip and get a run of games and can just score a couple of goals in a row and get going. Um, but if that doesn't happen, he's just spent a load more months on the bench and just kicking his heels. And I don't think he'll want to be doing that. He needs to be playing football. And what a place to be going as a forward right now to AC Milan. I know that Zlatan's going to be the main man as they go on this title run, but Zlatan's not going to be playing every minute. Um, Liao, you know, obviously has ended well just before um, Christmas, but he's not always dependable. I, I think that having Luka Jovic as a, as a focal point of that Milan team would be lovely. I resent that accusation of Rafael Liao. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I think Rafael Liao is absolutely exceptional, but he does often play off the wing. That's yeah. what I mean. So so the... Like he played through the middle, didn't he? Right, right at the end. The the end, interesting thing about Jovic this year is that he's played more minutes for Serbia than he has for Madrid this season, uh, which, which is pretty bleak. But that said, he has three goals and two assists in three game, three starts for Serbia. Where you know, which is which is pretty good What's going. Because yeah. he's a great forward. Which is pretty good going. And you know, when when you do look at what he's was getting from Madrid, you know, he did get he got two, three starts. He got three starts. He started against Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League in a game they lost. He started against Betis, they were a game they narrowly won. Uh, and he started against Valladolid. And then after that, he got 12 minutes against Cadiz and seven minutes against Valencia. And then he got coronavirus. Then he <laughs> tore his leg muscles. Oh. And now, now he's back on the bench. So it's just not happening, is it? It's just no. not just not working. And, and you've got to feel sorry for him more than anything at this point, Sam. Yeah, if I was to, if, if, if Luka Jovic, if he were to listen to me just for, just for 30 seconds, I don't think he's ever heard a word I've said in my life, but if I could get one message to Luka Jovic, it would be on the subject of maybe if Benzema goes down and I get a run in, the, run in the team, they won't pass to you anyway, mate. No one at Real Madrid ever passes to Luka Jovic. Even when he gets to play, the midfielders don't pass to him. They don't like him. I don't know what it is, but even when he gets his little cameos and he gets his go and they, they stick him up front for a couple of games, I swear they don't look for him. I swear he makes the runs and they ignore him. I've been watching him so closely to try and figure out where it's going wrong. I don't think he has the trust of his teammates. And if I were him, I'd be more than accepting of a dry loan to Milan for six months. And Milan have done this, you know, Brahim Diaz is a dry loan. There's no option at the end of it. They've got a couple of other options, a couple of other deals in that similar vein. They're okay with taking players for a short spell like this. And Brahim Diaz is also a player who is desperate to make it work at Real Madrid, which is why the loan is dry. And if Luka Jovic wants to go back in six months, having put together six quality quality months himself in Serie A and be like, look, you need to trust me a little bit more. You need to, you need to get on my page then great. And he can go and support this team. Again, we come back to this. They're going to be competing on potentially three fronts here. Zlatan is 38, 39. I forget which one. But he can't, a machine. He, he can't play every single game, though. And he also might be Jovic's best bet at replicating that Sebastian Allaire, Luka Jovic combo that yeah. did so well for Eintracht Frankfurt. If maybe we've learned anything, it's that Jovic clearly needs someone to bounce off and play off. Mm. And to ask him to play up front and, and, and plough a lone furrow for Real Madrid may be a little bit too much at this stage. So bring him over to Zlatan and let him bounce off him. 
he could do the damage. I mean, this this could be a fantastic deal. And I guess it probably leaves Real Madrid in a situation where they need to take a look at a striker themselves, which makes this a little bit more difficult because they mm. don't really have that many options, do they, outside of Luka Jovic? Not that, they u- not that they use them anyway. No, they don't so... like any of them. But, but <laughs> you know, it's been, it's been, I've been thinking recently, why didn't Real Madrid take Cavani in the summer yeah. as, as Benzema's rotator? Yeah. Why did, they, 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 they knew they didn't like Luka Jovic at the time. Why have we got to January? They've let Cavani go to Man United. They let him dance with Benfica for three weeks and not, and not sign. And they've ended up with, with Jovic having made two Liga starts. I don't get that at all. Bit of hindsight, but anyway. I mean, Captain Hindsight is always right. And then, then that is the key. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. I think that there's there's some something in this, Dean. And, and even if it doesn't end up being Milan, I do think a six-month loan for Luka Jovic somewhere is key for his you know development i think you're not going to get that in madrid and there's there's no point you can just sit there and and eventually come good i think you have to kind of force your own way and and actually i i actually disagree with sam slightly i'd be looking at an 18 month loan i'd be like go put me out for 18 months he's still young still you know and and there's still this point that benzema is the main man and is going to be the main man for at least the next year i think there's no there doesn't seem to be any situation where Madrid seems to be weaning themselves off Benzema and and they need to do that at some point agreed but you know it doesn't look like it's coming soon and I think that if if Jovic could go and get a run for 18 months somewhere and actually you know score a, a ton of goals and and get himself back to some sort of lethal form then then maybe Madrid look at him and go okay there's our post Benzema avenue and at the moment it doesn't seem to exist yeah, there's that danger as well that you end up being like Isco and you're just constantly waiting and waiting for your chance. And you're thinking it's just, you know, you've got all the talent. Like everyone knows you can potentially do it and it just doesn't happen. And you end up like Isco and just waiting for like eight years and just nothing happens. <laughs> uh, right, number one. Let's have it. Now this would be a big surprise for me. So, number one, Jovino to Inter Milan. What? Right. Don't tell me it's to play left wing back. No. Well, this is the thing. So... Yeah, the Javinho, right, who plays for Parma, used to play for Arsenal and used to play for Roma. Now, this is where, this is the bit I don't get, to be honest. Antonio Conte wants to sign a forward who can take the place of Romelu Lukaku when he's not available. This is the top choice. <laughs> Javinho. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's kept me up, actually, a bit last night, I've got to admit. They've been linked with Olivier Giroud for ages, and I think they're kind of giving up on that now because Chelsea... They need Olivier Giroud, that's pretty obvious. But at least, you know, Giroud made sense stylistically. Jovino doesn't, does he? I mean, he's wiry. He's not got the same physical capabilities. He's not as tall. He's not as deadly in front of goal. But Conte wants to go for him. Um, now, I'll give him, I, was... I think there's some credit to Jovino. He is actually a very decent footballer these days. No, I mean, he's always been a very it, decent footballer. That's unfair. A like-for-like replacement is being talked about. When Lukaku can't play, that is the man. Javin- no, I agree. I mean, he's almost more of a Lautaro rotator than a Lukaku one, no? What we've got to understand, Conte clearly doesn't feel that Alexis Sanchez is capable of filling in there. Perisic, he's even tried, doesn't he? He can't do that same job as Lukaku. Well, Alexis um, is, is the Lautaro rotator, right? Yeah, so that, yeah, that's yeah. those two. So Lukaku is a different one, which I get the logic there. How he's reached the conclusion that it's Javino, I'm not sure. Now, Palmer, Palmer are adamant he's not going to be going. They, they don't want him to go in January. But if, if Inter were to really prioritise this, 
and put everything into it for Conte, then it, there's obviously a chance it happens. But what was interesting is then I've actually just read that there is an alternate option that's cropped up. And this one makes much more sense to me. If they can't do the Jovino deal, then they'll go for Graziano Pelo, right? who is available on a free now from China. Do that. Do that. <laughs> right? The bloke's, the bloke's perfect for this, especially to see through this season. I mean, presumably, again, he's even older than Jovino. I don't know what Conte is doing here. It's like, because Jovino's 33, Pella's now 35. I appreciate it's a six-month thing, probably. Yeah, I think it's only a short-term thing, so I'm not that worried about the age. You just want that impact, the one that can... Mm. just fill that Lukaku role and to me anyway it just seems like Pella would be a great choice why did they not sign Patania in the summer yeah. Patania would have been this player like obviously he's not fast that's the only I mean that's that's your letdown but if you want to be the you know the big man in a big man little man partnership which is effectively what they're looking for here right yeah. then the Patania would have been perfect yeah the problem yeah. is, is if you want a player like Patania, who's also got speed, he costs you at least sixty million pounds because that's basically Lukaku at that stage, isn't it? With a better finish, so it's hard to get two Lukaku's on the books when you've already got a Lautaro and the wage bill probably creaking as it is with all these over thirties who are all on huge wages. I mean, Conte's got to get away from this. I don't, I don't understand it at all. But <laughs> um, I mean, Pella, who knows what shape he's in? Uh, you know, none of us are out here watching Chinese Super League and he's been over there probably two, three years now. But Conte took him to Euro 2016 for Italy, didn't he? Led yeah. his line, partnered him with Adair, who was not great, let's be honest. But it was actually the similar dynamic. It was Pele was the big man, Adair was the floaty small man. Very similar to the to the Lukaku-Lautaro partnership and very similar to what a Patania-Lautaro partnership would have been not very similar to what a Jovino-Lautaro partnership would be. So, yeah, I guess I'm with you. I guess I'm with you, Dean. I'm not surprised you didn't sleep well last night. As I've already told you, I did. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, sad, I'm sad for you, my friend, with the two kids on the go and mulling over this amazing surprise transfer. Well, absolutely. But you'd say, by the way, that um, Pella was in China for two or three years. They're four and a half years, I think. Oh. That's Shandong Luneng. And he's actually left now. His contract's actually up. But he earned, so over that time, he was earning 15 million euros net a year. So he could probably afford to just drop his wages for six months. Um, the scoring rate free. wasn't too bad, to be honest. He, he was scoring basically every other game. Yeah, I was going to say 63 goals in 128 games is not bad takers. And, and 24 in, assists, that is not bad at all. stayed in decent form and earned a lot of money at the same time. So he's probably a very happy lad right now. And he's uh, probably the most handsome footballer around as well. He is an unbelievably handsome geezer. So, I mean, does I'm he need surprised. football anymore? I don't know. But if he does, go, he can join him tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I am I, I'm a bit stunned by the... Uh, <laughs> stunned by the Javinho one that is I mean that's why I had to form. put it like the more I found out about it and when I found out that it was real and they actually are going to look at trying to get him in not only just get him in but as the new Lukaku I did see them linked I mean this is the second time I've brought him up today on this podcast about surprise transfers I had I've seen interlinked with Divo Karigi. um Surely he can't be like, oh, wants to move. well, I mean, surely Divagarigi can't be like, oh, I'm just going to play second fiddle to Lukaku in country and club. That's, no. that's surely not like the <laughs> idea you really want. But no. I mean, I guess it makes sense in terms of he's much more, you know, capable in that kind of role than, than you'd imagine a, a Jovino would be. I think um, Arigi should 
prepare himself for a relegation battle, to be honest, because all the teams I hear that are after Origi are all in relegation battles. Fiorentina have had a look at him. Brighton have had a look at him. Like Origi, Fulham, Fulham have had a look at him. Fulham, well, we're not in a relegation battle, so we'll that be all right. That's true. Um, <laughs> that's, where, that's where you should go, Havok. Havok, get yourself to London. Oh, what a top man. What a top man. All right, well, Dean, that's... That's pretty much the end of it, I'd imagine. Enjoy well, that. Done. That was fantastic. Five transfers we weren't expecting to hear about today uh, for, for various reasons, but yeah. they are all on the table. So thank you very much. And uh, I'm excited to hear more about all of them over the course of, of the course of the next couple of weeks, really. It's um, it, it's your season. And I know you've been tired, but you are getting into your peak. I am. I'm, I'm getting the flow now. I'm getting the flow. I'm actually getting, I'm looking forward to it now. It's going to. It's going to be a weird transfer window, I think. There won't be loads of money spent, but there are so many fixes needed at so many teams that there's just going to be some mad transactions happening. Mad that you've given away next week's podcast. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. Right after the break, we're going to be doing it. Right after the break, we're going to be delivering a melon of the week to somebody very special. And of course, it's a time to return to one of my favourite gibberish rankings ever. Don't go anywhere. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Welcome back to Ranks FC. Dean, it's time for my favourite part of the show. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Neymar. Oh yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! Not even playing football at the moment. He's still a melon. Um, so, oh, what do I yeah, say? This is this? bad. What is he doing? So, here he is, Neymar. Rec- gets recognised quite a bit in Brazil, so I've heard. Right, the country's best known footballer right now. He has allegedly planned uh, what a five-day party for hundreds of people over New Year at a luxury, you know, place in in Rio. What is he doing? What is the bloke doing? Now, actually, this isn't illegal um, in Brazil, but as local officials put it, it's hurting sanitary principles. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not just, illegal, just frowned upon heavily. It's just utterly ridiculous during a pandemic when everyone's being told to not mix with large groups of people and wear masks to host a party in Rio for hundreds of people. What are you doing? This is why I don't like him. Like, I, I completely appreciate that he's a really good footballer, but everything else he does really annoys me. And this is probably the thing that's annoyed me most ever because it's just so, so irresponsible. It's, what a melon. it's unbelievably irresponsible. I, I do want to give him some credit, though. It was really well thought through. Like, you know, is that one of those things where you look at the planning and you go, yeah, fair enough. You've really, put, you've really put some effort into this one, you know? You know, when you're like organizing things for your friends and you're like, you can tell when somebody's put in a, like a real, like a real load of effort to make something work. It was like, take your phones away on the door, soundproof the entire thing. Like you couldn't take any pictures. The problem is when you invite hundreds of people, <laughs> someone's going to find see. out you're planning it. That's the problem. <laughs> it's true. But, you know, I've just got to say, you know, hats off as an organizer myself. Hats no, it probably off to the organization. It would have been a great boy. Hold yeah. it back for a year, Neymar. 
Hold back the river. No, um, no. Very good. Yeah, I, yeah, agreed. I mean, don't hold large parties. Look, everybody. At least it's not Hector Bellerin or any other Arsenal player this week, right? Hector um, Bellerin had a really good game. He yep. did. He had a very good game. And, no and he foul didn't throws. give her any foul throws. Yeah, no fantastic. foul throws. Some really good football played by him down that right side. Um, he might have a future at the club. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Turns out when you give Hector Meller in the armband, he becomes a uh, he becomes not a melon. So yeah. so there we More are. Ballon than Melon door this week for Hector Meller. Fantastic. I've been looking forward to this one, Sam. That's the gibberish siren. Yeah, it's time for some New Year's resolutions. Same time every year we make these, just before the New Year. Do you want to check in on the uh, New Year's resos from last year before we begin? Absolutely, 100%. So some good and some bad, ultimately. Um, Go through them one by one. My New Year's resolutions last year, the first one was to drink more Guinness, which I was absolutely smashing until the pandemic hit. Um, Absolutely smashing. Now, I learned over the course of this Guinness journey that you know, some pubs serve good Guinness, but some pubs don't. And you have to be quite careful about where you go. So you have to pick your establishments and you definitely can't have it from a can or so Jack Collins tells me. I've, um, I've, I've, I've started to su- the pandemic. I've, I've softened my stance <laughs> on this during the pandemic, but I would yeah. normally not. Have, I would agree normally. I feel like a proud father on this one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you, you, you were there for most of the pints that I drank because um, yeah. we had them together. And I, I was, I was have many of those pints, I think. I was absolutely smashing this until March and then, you know, disaster hit. So look, it's taken a turn for the worst when the pub's shut and I refused to buy the cans. But I'd say in the allotted time window that I was actually given, I think I did really well on this one. Also, um, you'll drink you'll drink Guinness going forward as well, which is basically the main aim of the, of the new year. It was to start you off. It's like a lifestyle choice, right? You start mm. off on it and eventually it just becomes your lifestyle. It's like, yeah. a, like a good diet, but not really. Yeah, and like when it's it's about making sure that when you enter the pub and you go and order your first drink, automatically you think Guinness, which is what I do. My so goal guy. achieved, goal achieved. The second resolution was to eat more pate, which I'll be honest, it wasn't great for the first three months, but then lockdown here. So swings and roundabouts, <laughs> because then I ate mostly just pate on toast. So I've kind of smashed that one as well, but thanks to the pandemic. So the pande- pandemic giveth, but it also taketh away. And... Um, my last one was to kick a 60-yard field goal. And I'll be honest, guys, I, I have not touched a single American football this year. Again, it's very difficult to do so when you're not allowed to go outside. And there's not I don't have a 60-yard house. So it's tough. But I'll try again next year, I guess. As I said before, Sam, I think you need to go out the front of your house, tee it up, and just kick it as far as you can and just see where it lands. Get a measuring <laughs> tape and do this on on like the last fading of the light on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, the last thing you do. I'll lose, I can't. Do, I've only got one American football, and it's been cern, signed by Kirk Cousins. It's not. You've for got kick- time. You can order it's, one. Order a cheap one quickly. It's not for kicking. It's it's decorative. It's behind you, as they say, around this time of year in the, <laughs> in the theaters. All right, Sam. What's this year's then? All right. So the key here is it. They obviously. What I said. I thought I said at least two of my resolutions last year were very achievable, very easily, and that's what I like. That's how I like to live my life. I, I don't want to give myself some ridiculous goal. I'd like to be able to just achieve. The goals that I set. So the first one is I'm going to squat 100 kilos. And that is achievable because that really isn't that much. But what's holding me back is, well, the gyms are shut. That's that's problematic. That makes it a challenge. Uh, I don't have 100 kilos worth of weights at home. But also, I'm a nervous squatter. 
Have you ever looked at me and thought that guy looks like a nervous squatter? Yeah, I actually have. I, yeah. I think I think about you as nervous in many ways, if I'm honest. Yeah, and so I've never really managed to get past sort of 75, 80. And now, because the gyms are shut, I must be down to like, what, my body weight. So yeah. we'll see how that works. I have to build myself back up, but I've decided to throw off the shackles a little bit, be a bit more open-minded, be a bit braver as well with the, with the exercises. And I'm going to squat 100 kilos. There's going to be so many people listening that go, I can squat 100 kilos in my sleep, but I have a long frame, okay? It's harder for me to do bench press and squat. Anyway, into number two, I'm going to complete an 18-hole round of golf in 100 strokes. Jesus, that's a big commitment. Oh, is that difficult? Yeah, that's, that's really hard, <laughs> mate. How many is normal? Well, it depends. It's like, not a normal it, amount, I don't think. If I, if I hit under 100, I'm like very, very, very pleased. I didn't say under 100. I said 100. If I hit 100, I'd be very, very, very <laughs> pleased. Like, unless you're like, until you get reasonably good at golf, 100 is kind of the benchmark of if you break that, you're delighted. Oh, so should we change it to like 120? No, I think I think it's a good goal, but I'd be I'd be surprised if you achieve it. Let's just focus on getting around the course first. Well, so that's the thing. For context, let's set the scene. I've played seven holes of golf in my life. Golf in my life. Um, I was aiming for nine, but it got dark, and I've had two. I've had two. You've lessons. never even done the eighteen holes yet. No, I've never. I've never, even, I've never even done the. No, first I think it's nine. a good commitment, Sam. I think if you actually genuinely practice your golf throughout the year, it's a very it's achievable, but it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, I went for a hundred because three figures sounded like a lot. So I thought that was achievable, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, look, I'm going to focus on golf in 2021. It's a very, very acceptable sport to play during a pandemic because you don't stand anywhere near anybody, um, particularly when you hit the ball into the bushes and the lake. So that's quite good. So I've got ample opportunity to play it. I'm just going to give it a right good go. Yeah, I think this is a good, this is like a good, good thing that's, that is achievable, but it's not easy. But I think, look, bear in mind that, you know, the top handicap you can get is, is 28, right? That's the, that's the most you can be given. And what that means is your par on a course plus 28 would be the kind of the score you'd be looking for. And, and most kind of, I would say, golf courses are around the 70 mark in terms of 18 holes for par. So 28 gives you the... Wow. Give you gives you 98, which would be just breaking the hundred. So you'd be you'd be if you got to a hundred, that would be basically the you achieving a handicap, which is pretty yeah, pretty impressive. Your first round will probably take you two hundred. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, that probably. sounds like I'm aiming probably. for distinct. I'm aiming for distinctly average, which. Yeah. I mean, we've never seen you play. Maybe you're a natural, mate. Maybe you're a natural. You Maybe are tall, are. which should help you. Yeah. Well, I need to learn to swing the club first. Anyway, on to number one. My number one goal is to survive my stag do. Oh. Um, or in this case, a bachelor party. I'd say uh, just have one first. And have I one like, would be helpful because we were supposed to have that before. Yeah, well, I feel the need to make a resolution out of this because I do not think it is a given that I will survive. And oh. I just want to put it on record that that's what my plan is. That's what my hope is. My two best friends are monsters and I've been on one of their stags. For the played... record, this isn't me indeed. No, <laughs> it's not. But I've been on one of their stags and I, I, I held a formative role in the planning of the activities. So I know what I'm in for and I know that I'm in trouble and I'm just looking to get through it. And the good news for the rank squad is that you two are invited on my stag. And so, so if can I document it for you, if, <laughs> if, I, if I die, like you guys can let everyone know exactly what happened. Yeah, we'll I'd say this reason, about a sort we'll of. We'll rank the reasons of death. Yeah. 
Yeah. Rank, I mean, if there's... rank causes. <laughs> my God, if there's more than one reason I died on my stack, it was a hell of a stag. That is true. That is true. Fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah very good. Alcohol Sam. poisoning, but what actually killed him was the fall off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, it's a it's a dark note when 2020 as as expected, um, you know, keeping in keeping with the season and all that. Um, but that's uh, very good, Sam. That was excellent. I, I enjoy your New Year's resolutions. They're among my favourite of the uh, the gibberishes, yeah. formerly nonsenses. Um, and what a year, lads! What a year! It's been some year, right? Changed so, podcasts. We have. We are no longer the same podcast that we were yeah. a year ago. Although we are in many ways. <laughs> yeah. We are in soul, but we're not in body. Yeah, fantastic. That makes sense. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's um that's a very nice way of putting it. We have been Thanks. rehoused in terms yeah. of body. Thanks to everyone that stuck with us because we do really appreciate it, and we are going to need you to keep listening. <laughs> so yeah, we we, we really do. We really appreciate <laughs> you, and and thank you so much for sticking by us for for listening during what has been a mad year. We know that. You know, podcast uh, listens are, are down pretty much everywhere because mm. there's no commuting, there's there's a lack of travel, uh, and for you to have stuck us on in your homes, in your in your walks, in your runs, even during a pandemic is, uh, well, it, it means the world to us, obviously, yeah. because this is this is what we do. But um, but thank you so much, Frank Squad, for for sticking by us, for for moving with us to a new home. It's been quite a year, but we're excited for, for 2021 and exploding Ranks FC into new stratospheres and, and new places and, and new heights. And we hope that you'll stick with us through that journey. And, and with that, all that's there for me to do is say thank you very much to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much to Sam Tai. Thank you. Happy New Year, everyone. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Happy New Year, Rank Squad. We'll see you in the first episode of 2021. And I promise you, there will be a poem. See you later. Take care. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. 